0: My name is Pastor Lance. I'm the Generations Pastor here. And basically that's, uh, that means that I oversee Cradle to College in this church. Um, I am delighted, delighted to be uh, able to work with your children. If you have children in our children's ministry or they're in Collide right now in the 6th or 8th grade ministry um, or Wednesday nights at 7, we have an, a, a pretty decent uh, youth group. The guy who speaks is like, all right, you know what I mean? He's so... But anyways, um, no, we really believe in your children here at Celebration Church. I believe they have a purpose and a destiny on their lives, and I am fully committed to seeing them through it, okay? And so let's partner together, and let's make that happen. Thank you so much. Well, listen, I want to say thank you to uh, uh, my pastors, Pastors Frankie and Allie. They're mentors to my wife and I. Uh, like I said, we've been with them almost nine years now. Um, and I am just honored to be speaking here at our church. I just uh, Every time I get the opportunity to be with our church family, it's just incredible. Well, listen, this morning, we are continuing Pastor Frankie's series on focus, okay? This is part four. The title of today's sermon is called Go, Okay, it's called Go, and what we're going to be talking about is um, how focus, how focus can change the world, okay? Focus can change the world. So if you're taking notes, write down focus, go. All right, now, uh, let's pray. I'm going to read some scripture, and then we're going to talk for a little bit. I got three points for you, and they all begin with go, okay? So you're taking notes, you can already get ahead of yourself. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for our church family. God, I pray that you would give us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us this morning. God, I pray that you'd break up the unfollowed ground in our hearts, Lord, and that you begin to speak words of life, Father. Speak words of life to us right now, God. Help us, Father God, to, to hone in on the, on, and focus, Lord, on the power of connection, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we need you. Help me to articulate and enunciate every word. It all comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, we're going to talk a little bit here about Jesus, if that's okay with anyone here. Um, I'm going to read right now in Matthew chapter 4 about the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But before that, let me just preface this scripture as I like to do oftentimes. Jesus walked the earth for about 30 years before he began his ministry, his ministry was about three years long. and uh, we'll talk about that and how to, the amazing kind of things that he did. Uh, but two significant things happened right before this passage of Scripture. One is that uh, Jesus himself was led out into the desert into a season of temptation uh, and just testing prayer and fasting for about 40 days. Uh, we are not, the reason why is because we are not, uh, we don't believe in someone that doesn't have uh that doesn't have, uh, is not unaware of uh, temptations and the things that we face ourselves. Jesus himself was tempted in every way and yet was without sin. And so that's why we trust in him so much as our Savior. And the second thing he did was he called his disciples just average Joes, not scholars of the day or religious leaders of the time, but just regular people like you and I. Um, And together they changed the world. So right after that, this happened in Matthew chapter 4. It goes like this. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease or Or if they were demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Everybody say, he healed them all. all. You guys sound great. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. And people from Galilee, the 10 towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. See, Jesus changed the world in just a period of about three years with 12 other guys. He performed miracles. He fulfilled prophecies that tied together the Old and the New Testament. He walked on water, fed multitudes. He did all these amazing things that were still unfolding 2,000 years later. And what a lot of people don't know and realize is that Jesus actually focused a great part of his ministry on a really, really small geographical area. Okay? Okay? Now, you could say that Jesus walked a lot. They didn't have cars. They didn't have planes. Uh, but he traveled a lot, probably mostly by foot. I bet you he broke quite a, he could have broke quite a few Fitbits, okay? Uh, they said that in the course of his lifetime, a male in that day, just by the times that he would have to walk back and forth to Jerusalem to make, like, regular festivals and appearances for sacrifices and things like that, they most average men in that day would have walked somewhere around the, uh, the, the course of about 25 to 30,000 miles in their lifetime, okay? It's pretty significant. But what's so interesting, like a little more kind of uh, little or known fact about Jesus's life is that Jesus actually never traveled in distance, never traveled beyond about 200 miles in his whole, from his birthplace, See, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which we know that, the story of the manger and the Christmas story, but he had never actually traveled further, further in, in distance than about 200 miles from where he grew up. And so what Jesus taught us was this amazing power of focus and connection that, that, that comes from just kind of staying right where, right where you are, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's pretty interesting. So... Just to kind of put it into perspective for you, from where you're sitting and I'm standing, uh, how far is 200 miles? Uh, From about here to the city limits of San Antonio is 208 miles, just to kind of put that in perspective for you. okay? Jesus never traveled beyond that. He never went to Italy. He never went to North America, South America. He pretty much just kind of stayed in this place, this range for the greater course of his ministry. One thing he taught us was that focus, the power of connection. There's this movie on uh, Netflix, Uh, it's rated R, which means I've never seen it. Um, But, (laughs) just kidding, it's like real artsy, okay? Um, Anyways, it's called Into the Wild, and it's based on a true story of a man named Chris McCandless. Everybody say McCandless. I practice saying it like so many times, I want you to say it too, okay? (laughs) It's harder than it sounds. Chris McCandless, um, Into the Wild, and the story is about a, um, a middle-class, um, average American boy who was pretty educated. He grew up kind of in the 90s and uh, ended up graduating from college and decided that he was going to change the world. And he had this idea and how he wanted to do it. I'm going to ruin the whole story for you right now, but it's still a great movie. Um <laughs> But this is how it goes. So the day he graduates from college, he meets with his parents. He gives no indication whatsoever that he's going to leave or be leaving or doing anything like this. But what he does is he has given all of his life savings away to charity. He drives in his little hand-me-down college car. Who remembers their college car? Their first college car. I had an 86 Honda Accord LXI. My dad gave it to me with a donut on the back. (laughs) All right. It was brown (laughs) right here, all right? That's right. Anyways, so he drove his Honda Accord 86 LXI. As far as it would take him, uh, he ended up somewhere in the desert of New Mexico and uh, just kind of abandoned his vehicle. He burned whatever cash he had on him and his ID and decided that he was headed out to Alaska. This is an educated person now with a college degree, okay? Okay. His idea was that he was going to uh, head out into the wild. He was going to live off of the land, that he was going to prove to the world that you don't need society and its rules, its credentials, a certain number in your bank account, or all types of material assets that make up life and what's important in it. He, He decided those things are not what matters. What matters is getting out there and just getting back to nature. Just do it on your own. Well, Chris on his journey, it took him years to eventually make it there with no money. I mean, he lived with homeless people. He worked the Great Plains with some kind of like vagabond, uh, you know, um, roughneck type of dudes. And so, on his way there, he met some really amazing people and made some really amazing connections. But anyways, he ends up in Alaska, and he's living on his own, and he's living his dream, and and he's running around in in the wild and all this great stuff. And tragedy fell on Chris McCandless. And we know this because Chris kept a pretty accurate journal of of his, his adventure. And one of the last entries in his journal, after his years of his experiment and how he can change the world, he writes this. Happiness only real when shared. You see, in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus gave us this instruction. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You see, our world, the world, the world is our our mission. But our world is our connections. See, what Chris McCandless kind of learned the hard way was that, that... it wasn't about necessarily uh, where he was going to end up and, 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 and being alone and, and showing the world this way. What he realized was, oh my gosh, all these great stories and great people that I've met along the way, that's what makes up the greatness and the happiness of life. See, Jesus says to us real simply, go out into all the world. But what I'm telling you this morning is our world are the connections that God has already set before us. So that's what we're gonna talk about this morning, how we can change the world, our world. And there's three things I'm gonna give you. They all begin with go. Are you guys ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. I don't know about you, but I wanna change the world, okay? I don't know about you, but I wanna change the world, okay? So let's talk about this. All right, the first thing is, is you gotta go where God sends you. You gotta go where God sends you. And so uh, I want to um, I wanna illustrate this point um, with a clip from the uh, cinema classic of Finding Nemo, okay? <laughs> if I could, please. You ready to watch a little clip of Finding Nemo? Okay, okay, let's do this. We're in a whale, don't you get it? It's a whale. A whale! Cause you had to ask for help! And now we're stuck here! Wow! A whale? You know I speak whale. No! You're insane! You can't speak whale! I have to get out! I have to find my son! I have to tell him how old sea turtles are! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hey, you okay? (sighs) There, there. It's all right. It'll be okay. No. No, it won't. Sure it will. You'll see. No. I promised him I'd never let anything happen to him. Huh. That's a funny thing to promise. Well, you can't never let anything happen to him. Then nothing would ever happen to him. Not much fun for little Harpo. Hmm. What's going on? I don't know. I'll ask him. Hmm. go on. I think he says we've stopped. Well, of course we've stopped. Just stop trying to speak whale. You're gonna make things worse. What is that noise? Oh no! Look what you did. The water's going down. It's 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 going down. You sure about that? Look, already it's half empty. Hmm, I'd say it's half full. Stop that! It's half empty. Okay, that one was a little tougher. He either said we should go to the back of the throat, or he wants a root beer float. Of course he wants to go there. That's eating us! How do I taste, Moby? Huh? Do I taste good? You tell him I'm not interested in being lunch. Okay. He. Stop talking to him. Do these things, but you can't, Nemo! Sydney! Ah, Sydney! Yes, Sydney again! You were right, Dory. We made it. We're gonna find my son. How many of you are thankful for Disney movies? See, I'm a dad, and I'm a pastor, right? And I watch them because I like them so much, right? But uh, they speak to me sometimes. You know, Nemo can speak to me, okay? Um, Well, you see. How many of you have ever felt like you are in the belly of a whale before? Let me just preface that story if you've never seen Finding Nemo before. Uh, Nemo gets lost. His dad and his lighthearted company are on their way to find him. They get swallowed by a whale along the way. And uh, the, all they know is that uh, Nemo uh, may or may not be in Sydney, Australia. And so Marlin, the fish uh, is, is almost certain that death is upon him. Um, and, and his lighthearted company is just kind of just trusting that the whale has taking him where she asked him to take them. How many of you know sometimes, at least me, in a season where I feel like I'm in the belly of the whale, I will fight, I will pry, I will try, I will cry out to God to remove me from this situation. I will literally do anything I can to try to get myself out of this place and and, and, and to where I think that I should be. Uh, So I will do everything in my power to make that happen when all along, God was working things together. He was in complete control the entire time. And at just the right time, God will release us right where we should be. It's kind of remarkable the way that that happens, isn't it? You see, God is in charge of the destination. We are in charge of the journey. God is in charge of the destination. We are in charge of the journey. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's a verse that I kind of live by. It means that we have a purpose. It means that we have a destiny. It means that God has things in store for us. You see? And so that is his plan. That is his job to be in charge of where it is that we're supposed to end up. But from here to there, from A to Z, that journey and our attitude towards God, towards the connections and the people that God has put around us, that's on us. That's on us. Okay? Let me give you a little bit of of encouragement here. That that burden of where it is we're supposed to be or where it is we're supposed to end up, that burden uh, is lifted when we learn to rest. We learn to rest in the opportunities and the connections God has already set right in front of us. It's, It's time that we learn When you feel like you're in that season that just doesn't make sense, things are just not adding up. It wasn't supposed to go this way to stop trying and to start trusting the Lord and what He's doing in the process in our lives. Ready for point number two? Point number two is this it's real simple. Remember, it begins with go, right? Go to church. Go to church. I know you're here. And you're like, well, I am a church. But go to church. Go to church and come frequently. Come often. Let's talk about that a little bit. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Everybody say, will you encourage me? Look at your neighbor and say, will you encourage me? Will you encourage me? Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near now. I understand. I understand. Okay, that some people, um, some people just have a struggle. It's like an internal battle with the church or a church or, or something of that nature. Okay, I, I understand. Um, it's kind of awkward sometimes to talk to strangers about church, you know. Um, but this is the Bible Belt, and so everybody kind of goes to church at least, or, or at least you know, it's it's kind of a kind of a common thing, you know. I, I'm from I'm from the West Coast, and it's not really like a common thing to, to ask. Somebody like oh, what's your name? Where you live? Where you from? What church you go to? It's just not like that here. But here it is. Okay, here it's a little more common. Okay, and so I say all that to say, although it can be awkward sometimes talking to people about church, um, it's important that we are that we are uh, either talking to people about church or attending church ourselves. Um, even though it can be kind of um, awkward, right? You know what's really awkward? Anybody know what uh, aphidiophobia is? Aphidiophobia. Aphidiophobia. I'm going to tell you what it means. And I practice saying that word a whole bunch of times, so it's over. I'm going to say it one more time. Aphidiophobia. It's the fear of snakes. The fear of snakes. I don't know about you, but I am terrified of snakes. Terrified of snakes okay snakes are like just like oof. in fact this is a true story i i was really considering bringing in a 12 foot boa constrictor okay and when i was like we know what aphidiophobia is and the guy walks in with a big old boa constrictor everybody like ah, right i was gonna do that but i couldn't stand to be that close to a snake <laughs> okay so instead we got a decent sized snake and we put it in a little tote it's underneath one of your seats I'm lying, just like that snake is. Sleep well, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, kidding. totally. No, but anyways, I had a friend, I had a friend, they moved into their house and there was, uh, they said there was a snake in my house. So we moved in and there was a snake in my house. I was like, burn it down. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. You know, you got a bad one. There, don't you have a warranty or something? There's a return policy. You save the receipt. Is is this is no good? Okay. I don't know if I found a snake. And this is how much Jesus loves me. Okay. Jesus loves me so much that in my life in the wild, I've probably only ever seen a snake about three or four times. It's I'm serious because I, I, He knows I have a weak heart. I would just die on the spot. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to collapse. I think scales come over my eyes when there's a snake around because I'm sure, I'm certain I've been in the presence of snakes before. I bring this up. You see, because it's ludicrous to think that I would sell my house or burn it down or move down the street and find a better house or that I would possibly even blame the builder of my house because there was a snake in my house. But you see, so many times we allow what someone has done to us in God's house ruin God's house for us. And that is not so. That is not the way it's supposed to be. You see, the phytophobia is the fear of snakes. I'd like to say to you, I apologize. I apologize if you have ever experienced a snake in the Lord's house. But don't let a snake in the Lord's house ruin God's house for you. Don't let that happen. The Bible says that Jesus has made his enemies a footstool. We have power and authority over those things. God has made all the animals in our dominion, okay? And so what we do is we take authority over those things, and we say, not today, not in this house. You will not steal my peace. You will not steal my joy. You will not steal my family. We take authority over snakes. I'm just saying. Now, there's this other kind of thing, right? I call it can't plant, can't plant. Okay, and it, and it's it's it, uh, it's it's when someone just 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 kind of can't stay somewhere. I don't know if you've ever known anyone like that. You know, just just can't stay put, right? Um, now. I had this friend. He used to work in landscaping, and he gave me this really, really nice tree. It was called a Japanese maple tree, and 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 I love this tree. Okay, it, it was like imagine who's ever seen a maple tree. Uh, a maple tree is really nice. They're big. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. Well, a Japanese maple tree is like a miniature version of it. I mean, it looks just like it, but it's like it doesn't grow more than like seven or eight feet tall. It's real small. It's awesome, awesome. So he brought me this tree and said, "I want to. I want to give you this tree. I want to. I want to." Plant it for you at your house. I said, sure, come on by. So he planted it in my backyard. And after it had been there for a little while, now, just so you know, I have like what's called a black thumb, okay? I have a black thumb, okay? I kill fake plants in my house, okay? Can't keep, we have no plants, no plants. My my grass, it's all a struggle, okay? It's all all a struggle. I'm serious. Well, I think, you know what I'm going to do is... uh, I think that this tree is so beautiful, it would look so much better if it was just over here. Aesthetically, if it would just move right here, that'd be great. And so I go out there, and I'm digging up the tree, okay? I'm digging up the tree. I start digging up the tree, and I move the tree. I move the tree over, and within probably three weeks, the tree's dying. I know the tree's dying. I mean, I don't know if I buried it too deep or what. It was... What, you say what, like a four or five foot hole? That's about for, I'm just kidding. I'm, no, I don't know. It, I'm sure I killed this tree. So my friend comes over. I'm still watering it. It looks like one of those ones in Hobby Lobby. It's like all white and like pale and not moving anymore. <laughs> He's like, what happened to the tree? I'm like, oh man, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> it's like, you moved it, didn't you? <laughs> so? So? <laughs> He said, what you don't understand is that that tree didn't have much of a root system yet. And you went ahead and you moved it too early, you see. And so since you moved it too early, it died. And you see, so many times people, they will never put down any roots any one place. And so they get moved around too many times. And so they wonder why there's no fruit in their life. And it's because we've been moved around too many times. (laughs) People that can't plant. You just can't plant somewhere. I, 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 you just, you got to plant. You got to put down some roots somewhere. You have to. You have to. Why? Proverbs 1 uh, at 2 and 3 says that those who delight themselves in the Lord will be like trees planted by the riverbank, and they'll bear fruit in due season, and they'll lack no good thing. I mean, that's the type of church. That's the type of family. That's the type of marriage. That's the type of children. That's the type of life that I want. But in order to do that, you have to get planted in church. Sometimes we move around. We get anxious. Right? We move around. Looking for the next thing. Sometimes we forget that there is. There is no next without now. You have to go where God sends you. You need to go to church. Why? Ch- families. Your kids need church. Your children need church. The Bible says in Proverbs that when you train up a child in the way they will go, when they're older, they won't depart from it. But how can they be trained if they're not at the training ground? It's good. It's true. Marriages need church. Single men, single women... Young and old, we need the community, the body of believers to strengthen us, to build us up. Speaking again of families, in Ecclesiastes, it says that a cord of three three strands is not easily broken. You know what those three strands are? The ministry, you, and the Lord. A quarter of three strains is not easily broken. Get rooted in church. Get rooted in church. Here's the thing. I know this is a a kind of something. It's like, you know, well, I have to kind of um, balance this for you, though, too. Because church is not the answer to all of your problems. In fact, here's the truth. Church cannot isolate you, and it cannot insulate you from the problems of this world. But listen to me. It ought to help. A church family, a church, it cannot isolate you. It cannot insulate you from the problems of this world, but it ought to help, okay? We got to go to church. We got to get rooted in church. I'm sorry about snakes. We got to go to church. Everybody say, that's good. That's my third and last point. It's real simple. you got to go home. Go home. Everybody say go home. go home. Go home. Now in Jesus' ministry, it led him a lot of different places, right? We know he didn't travel further than 200 miles, but, but he led a lot of different places. And if you read in the Bible, it says that he traveled from here and he went there and he, he left this place and went to that place. Well, one of those times he left, he, and he, he left and he traveled across the Sea of Galilee and he led, a, led him to a place called Gerasenes. Okay? And when he arrived in the shores of Garrison, the Bible says that he met a man with no name. He's only known to us in Mark chapter 5 as the demoniac. So, man is completely out of his mind. Let me just describe to you what it says this man was like. This man lived in a tomb, it's like living in a graveyard. Stop wearing clothes. He used to cut himself, you know, self harm. Said so he'd howl, and he'd scream, and wail, and people were scared of him. I mean, the guy was just completely out of his mind, just a maniac. And Jesus is met in the shores of Gerasenes by this man, and, and, and that story itself is a whole other sermon altogether, but Jesus delivers this man. Jesus heals this man. In fact, the Bible says that he is made whole and and he's in his right mind and it said he put his clothes back on. Jesus literally broke the chains in the story that bound this man, both spiritually and naturally. Now, in the Lance International Version, allow me just some, Leeway here to paraphrase this, so I want you to read this story on your own. After he's been healed, he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, take me with you. I want to change the world too. I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere. And Jesus replies like this in Mark chapter 5, verse 19. But Jesus said, No. Hold on. How many of you know that that's an answer from God too? It's in the Bible, y'all. Sometimes the answer is no. Jesus said no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And so the man, he started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and he began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Now, it's not a stretch of the imagination to think and to read this here that in Mark chapter 5, Jesus heals the demoniac. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus goes back to the other side of Galilee, feeds 5,000 people. And then in Mark chapter 8, goes back to where? Decapolis, the 10 cities where this man started. And how many people does he feed? 4,000. What do you think those 4,000 people came from? They came from the man who went home. They came from the man who went to his family. They came from the man who went to the grocery store. He went to Starbucks. He went to the place that God had already set before him, and he said, this is my world. This is my connection. This is my focus. This is how I change it. You want to change the world? Go home. Go home, church. Go home. I want to share with you one last little story from my life this week. I have this friend of mine. His name is Elazar. He's been a big part of my life for the past couple years. We text, we talk all the time, but it's more of like a, you know, like a one of those relationships you take for granted. I guess you could say we all have them, right? On Sunday morning, he did a big favor for me and our unusual exchange is like, thank you, is it done? Great, talk to you tomorrow, that kind of stuff. But on Sunday night, I just felt something different after our usual exchange. I felt I wanted to show him and let him know that I appreciated him and that I loved him and that I cared for him. And this is just a, normal type of connection, a normal type of person in your life. Go ahead and put up that. I told him in Spanish, I said, thank you, sir, for everything. You're a good man. You're a good friend to me. I appreciate you so much. Have a good rest of your weekend. Pretty normal, right? A couple hours later, about an hour and a half later, he sends me back this message that says, thank you, you too. Have a good, safe weekend. Sunday night at seven, seven forty. I got a call Monday morning from his son, said that Elazar was killed in a car accident Sunday night. I can't tell you that because of that text message. Elazar is in heaven or hell right now, because honestly, I don't know. But what I do know is, my world is a lot smaller than I think it is. My world exists from the connections of people I see every single day You don't know the weight and the power you have in your words, in a smile, the opportunity when it comes on you, and you just all of a sudden meet somebody, you look into their eyes, and you wonder Do you go to church? Is there something I can maybe pray for you about? It's powerful stuff, it's how we change the world. The world that we've been called to exists through the influence God has given us through the power of our connections. Church, if you want to change the world, go. Go where God sends you, go to church. Get planted, get rooted. And if you don't know where to start, go home. Some people are called across the world and to other nations and things like that, and we believe in that greatly, and we we give great amounts of money to people like that, and we totally support that cause. But for people like you and I, this is our mission field. The person sitting next from you, across from you, across the room, Lady at Starbucks, where you get your latte, that person you always see at the grocery store, that's your world. I don't know about you, but I want to be a world changer.